Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Social Hour podcast. This show is for female biz babes looking to up-level their business and become rockstar entrepreneurs in no time. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited to chat with you about today's episode. Let's get right into it. Hey, Savvies. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Social Hour podcast. I'm here today with Melanie Diesel. Melanie is an award-winning brand content strategist, consultant, and speaker who travels the world teaching marketers and publishers how to tell better brand stories. She is on the board of the Native Advertising Institute and developed one of the first master's courses in content marketing for Fairleigh Dixon University. She is the former director of Creative Strategy for Time, Inc., and was the first editor of Brandy Content at the New York Times, where she wrote the sponsored content pieces that won the 2014 and 2015 Best Native Advertising Execution OMMA Award, including the acclaimed Woman Inmates piece for Netflix. So she has a very impressive bio, and I'm really excited to chat with Melanie today about content marketing. So let's just hop right in. Hi, Melanie. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here, and I cannot wait to chat more about content marketing and how we can use it in our businesses. So before we dive into the episode, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and just how you got started doing it all. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a hybrid consultant and speaker. So you know, my background really is in journalism. I studied journalism in school and I just fell in love with storytelling. And when I found that I had trouble finding a job as a journalist, I realized that there were great applications for all those same skills of finding stories and telling stories in a marketing context. So I moved into the world of branded content, helping brands kind of learn how to think like journalists and tell better stories. And I did that in a corporate context for Huffington Post, the New York Times, and Time Inc. for a few years. And then about, let's see, two and a half years ago, I set out on my own, started my own firm where I really focused full time on helping to, to teach marketers how they can think more like journalists and just tell stories that are really going to connect with their audience. That's awesome. I mean, you have some big names under your belt and, you know, being able to get that corporate experience and then applying it in your now career as a, you know, freelance, not a freelancer, but you know, you're on your own. Um, you know, it really helps to have that, um, you know, prior experience because a lot of people seem to go into it without going into the corporate realm. So, yeah, you know, and I, I thought about it a lot. You know, I don't think I would have ended up where I am now if I had just tried to do it straight out, you know, just like you said, just kind of jumping into the entrepreneurial world. But for me, what I found is working in a corporate environment really helped me gain a really good understanding of what's necessary to create great content of some of the challenges that businesses face when they're trying to create content. And so it's really that experience in the corporate world that actually inspired me to kind of go out and do this on my own. And I don't know that I would have taken that same path if I had never tried to go the corporate route first. Yeah, no, I completely, I completely agree with that because I did work in the corporate world myself as a social media manager slash marketer. And yeah, I feel like it really helped, um, kind of get those foundations in place and kind of see how things ran in the corporate world and then kind of apply it to my own. Because I feel like when you are your own business owner, in addition to doing what you need to be doing, you also have to learn how to run a business. So kind of getting that experience in the actual field first was helpful because then I could focus on, okay, well, I already know how to do this. Now I need to learn how to run a business. 
Yeah, exactly. And there's other little things you pick up too, like just by being in an office space, you know, things about how teams operate, about what makes a good leader, about, you know, little tiny business practices, like tools you should be using, or, you know, how to keep your team organized, like all of that stuff that you don't even realize you're learning. You know, you can really take all of that and apply it to your own business when you do go out on your own. Exactly. So let's chat a little bit about content marketing, kind of what it is, how we can use it to speak with our audience and all that good stuff. Yeah. So in the broadest sense, content marketing is any kind of content that your company creates or you as an individual create and put out to help with your marketing, to help your business, to help your bottom line. And it can take a lot of different forms. You know, obviously a really big one is social content. We're always creating, you know, posts, captions, images, videos, et cetera, to, to power our social channels. And in many ways, you know, if you have a strategy behind what you're doing on social, then that content creation counts as content marketing. But you know, the, the, bigger definition that I try to focus on is content that lives outside of a social context. So things like your, your blog that your company may be creating, or if you're doing a video series, you're creating a podcast, that's content marketing. You know, it's a way for you to provide really valuable content to your audience in a way that serves your business goals. And because businesses are so different than content marketing, you know, it's different for so many businesses, but the bottom line is if you're sharing your knowledge or sharing some sort of value with your audience through content, you know, in a way that serves your business goals, then that's content marketing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I like the point about like every company kind of has a different approach to it. You know, a podcast might work better for some businesses while like a physical blog might be better for other businesses. It just really depends on who you're looking to target and, um, you know, what they prefer to hear or read or, you know, watch. Exactly. Yeah. And there's so many other options too. Like, you know, I, I joke sometimes that the Lego movie, in effect, is content marketing for Lego. You know, it's a full feature-length film for sure, but at the end of the day, it's publicizing the Lego brand, it features Lego products, you know, it's really them reaching out to their target audience of, you know, kids and, and kids at heart, uh, mm -hmm. knowing that they love to see their products coming to life and, and see what can be built. So, you know, don't limit yourself to the idea of just a podcast or a blog or a video series. You know, there are a lot of different ways you can create super valuable content and it all comes down to, like you said, understanding your audience. What do they want? What do they, how do they prefer to consume information? You know, what form is, is most convenient for them? Yeah, exactly. Um, I personally started with a blog and then, you know, when I felt like that was doing well, then I jumped into this podcast and, you know, I've done like video along the way just to kind of get everyone because everyone has a different learning style I found, mm -hmm. just, you know, people, some people prefer to hear, some like to read and some um, like to watch. So, you know, just kind of capturing all of those audiences. I mean, obviously that's not possible for every single person, but um, you know, if you find once you kind of created one of those elements and then you feel like you have the time and energy to kind of mm -hmm. tap into another one, then I mean, I think it helps because then you're reaching more than just the people who are liking to read blogs and you'll get people who want to listen on the way to work or people who prefer to, you know, sit down and watch your live stream. So, you know, being able to reach your audience is really crucial in whatever format they prefer. Absolutely. And one of the things you can do if, if you are planning in advance, you are, you know, you're asking these questions, you're listening to this podcast, you're trying to figure out how can content work for you. 
you can plan in advance to really repurpose your content. So mm -hmm. it's really easy to imagine a world where, you know, if you and I were having this conversation on video and you were recording it, well, now you have a video and you have the audio that you can use as a podcast mm -hmm. and you can subscribe our conversation and turn it into a blog post. Exactly. And you can post, you know, a snippet of the video on social. So as long as you're thinking about it in advance, you can actually get more bang for your buck just by thinking about how can I repurpose this one piece of content and make it work harder for me. And that's especially true if you're a solopreneur or you're just starting out, or like you said, maybe you just don't have the time and the resources to be making 10 different types of content. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Repurposing content is huge because you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel and create 20 different posts. You can take five and turn it into a bunch of different pieces of content. Um, for social media and, you know, different outlets and really just maximize your time and energy it's because, you know, if you only have that one blog post or that one episode that features this certain topic, then you're not maximizing that content and you're not giving it the most um, promotion that it deserves because, you know, eventually it's just going to kind of fall and no one's going to look at it anymore. So being able to like kind of bring it back on different platforms, whether that's like a week later or months later, it's important to continue generating, you know, traffic and, you know, listening ears like you would on a podcast or, you know, page views or anything like that to those different um, things so that it continues to get the traction that it deserves. Because I feel like a lot of times when I write a blog post, I forget about it. And then, you know, months later, no one's looked at it because it's not being actively promoted anymore. So you can really like kind of spread those out. So you're not posting that one thing across all your channels at one time. You can kind of spread it out and like a couple months down the line, okay, I'm going to revisit this and make it into a podcast episode. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, your content strategy of, you know, other types of, you know, more anchor content, bigger pieces of content that you're creating can really fuel your social strategy in a way that saves you so much time. So like you're saying, you create this one blog post. Well, you can write five different tweets and mm -hmm. 10 different Facebook posts. And some have images, some have links, some have a snippet of your video and schedule those to go out over the course of several months or a year or even longer, just repeating over time. So you know, like I said, that planning in the beginning of saying, okay, I know I have this one piece of content. Here are some ways I'm going to repurpose it. And here are some of the ways I'm going to distribute it and, you know, reference it in other places to really make the most of that time and effort you put into it. Yeah, that's, that's definitely very true. I mean, you, you just need to, you need to be strategic about it because otherwise you're going to be consistently trying to generate new content when you don't really need to. Exactly. So what do you think the best way to kind of build authority through your content is? You know, a lot of people say video builds the like, know, and trust factor a lot quicker than, you know, whether audio or, you know, re reading something. But I'm curious to kind of hear what you think about that and like, you know, your thoughts on that whole. Um, yeah, I think for individuals where you really are your brand, then video is a really great way to do that because you're getting to show both things, right? You're getting to see your face like, hey, this is me. I'm your, you know, your consultant or your freelancer, whoever you are to them. Mm -hmm. uh, be able to show your face and feel like I know this person. I, I know them personally it really does help build that connection. But it also obviously allows you to showcase your expertise. And so those are kind of two things that you have to balance. You know, there are 
other businesses where one individual's face or personality is less important. So maybe video is not the easiest way to go. Maybe you don't want, you know, the entire business or the entire company to be dependent on a single person's face and personality. Um, and you might find other content channels, other content formats to be better for doing that. And that could be, you know, audio where you get to have different voices represented or even, you know, in text where different people contribute to the blog. And so it kind of keeps a rotating list of personalities, but you're still delivering consistent value. You know, I always, when I'm working with my clients, I'm always trying to help them understand that it's ultimately less important what format you choose and more important that it's a good fit for what you're trying to do. Yeah. So, you know, if you are running a cloud computing business, then, you know, that's not the kind of thing that is incredibly visual. It's really abstract. So it might, you know, it might be tough for you to have a video series that isn't just you as a talking head. And so it might be advantageous for you to make infographics that help explain what you do or to write articles explaining the purpose of what you do. If you're a consultant or, you know, an individual where your individual brand is important, then you do want your face out there, whether that's in live video or, you know, photo slideshows or, you know, really leaning into social where you can showcase your personality or creating a video series, like you said. So I think, you know, it really comes down to really understanding what is my purpose? What am I value? Am I trying to deliver to my audience? And then asking what's the best format to do that? Because, you know, sometimes you might have a business that they're really uncomfortable on video or a person who's really uncomfortable on video. And if they feel forced, then they may not end up creating something that's really serving their business goals because they're just kind of like checking the box of making videos, you know? So yeah. It's, yeah, it's just really important to ask those questions up front. Like, why am I doing this in the first place? What, what do I have to say? What story do I have to tell or what value can I deliver? And then once you know the answer to that, it's usually much easier to figure out, well, what's the best way to deliver that information? Yeah, no, that's really true. Cause I feel like sometimes like when people try to force themselves to do like something that they're not comfortable with, like video or something, it turns out being kind of awkward. And at the same time, people don't connect with it. Cause they're like, well, this person seems unsure of what they're doing. So why should I trust them? Yeah. And at the same time, I think it's also important for us to kind of like stretch ourselves and, and push our boundaries because, you know, I don't think most people just by default are super comfortable hopping on live video and talking to to a crowd, you know, that that's the yeah. kind of thing that takes practice and takes time. And so, you know, while there's definitely something to be said for leaning into your strengths, you know, you should kind of acknowledge is, is this truly my strength or am I just being afraid? You know, am I limiting myself because I don't want to try? And, you know, if, if you can pick up that new skill, you know, slowly grow more comfortable with those things, it can really, it can really change your business. You know, I know of people who, we're like deathly afraid of, of live video. Well, I, you know, I can't carry myself. I don't know what to say. I'll probably trip over my words, but the more you do it, the more you realize that that's part of the whole thing. You know, it's authentic, it's real. And you know, it, it, it's the kind of thing that once you get used to it and you get more comfortable, it won't be so scary anymore. So it is a little bit of a balance between, you know, leaning into your strengths, but also, you know, recognizing an opportunity to learn a new skill and to push yourself. Yeah, no, that's really true. I know I used to be pretty terrified of live video. Like I was okay with like videos that were pre-recorded because obviously if I messed <laughs> up, I could start over again. But live video really, really terrified me. So for a while, I just like wouldn't go live, but I knew it was kind of like important to show my face um, and stuff like that. So I eventually did it and now it's a little easier. I mean, I still kind of like talk a little fast when I get on live, especially if there's no one there. Like if no one's asking questions and I'm just like going on like with my topic, 
then I speed through it because I'm like, well, no one even cares. So I'm just going to go really fast. <laughs> but, you know, it's just like one of those things. Um, but yeah, it gets, it gets difficult sometimes because I really do speed. And um, then I'm like, oh, this took six minutes. It was supposed to take 12 because <laughs> really fast, but no one hopped on. So I got nervous, you know, but it's weird. Yeah. I think when people hopped on, I would get more nervous. But no, it was when no one was there. I was like, but I guess no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of times content can feel that way in so much of what we do in our business and particularly with marketing, we're used to seeing results really quickly. You know, you get, you post something on social, you get likes or comments or replies or faves, whatever, right away. And it's like this instant gratification, but a lot of content is actually more of a long-term game. So if you're going to start a blog post, you know, or start a blog, then probably your first few posts, you might not get many readers, if any at all. And it's the kind of thing that takes time to, you know, you, your audience comes to expect consistency from you. They know to tune in, you slowly grow your subscribers or your followers and, you know, it just, it definitely takes time. And so there is a need for patience when you're starting out, you know, not to get discouraged by the fact that maybe things don't go perfectly that first time or you don't get the traction you want right off the bat. I definitely have to kind of manage your own expectations about the fact that like this is work and it's going to take some time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day and your blog <laughs> traffic isn't either. So, um, I love that. <laughs> It's about showing up and being consistent and, you know, continuing to listen to what your audience has to say and what kind of content they enjoy and then putting out that content that they prefer because then that'll keep them coming back for more. Yeah. And I think consistency is key too, because we, we kind of forget that sometimes we think, oh, I'll just try, I'll try putting out a podcast and, you know, first I'll do it every week and then, you know, it gets harder to do and you're doing it every other week and then, okay, now it's once a month, you know, it's really easy with a blog or a podcast or anything really to kind of let it fall by the wayside. Yeah. But that consistency is so important for building momentum. It's important for your followers or subscribers or whoever else to understand that there's something of value here on a regular basis. There's a reason that I'm staying or following or subscribing. And so, you know, sometimes even if you feel like you don't have something great, just, you know, committing yourself to that follow through of like once a day or once a week or whatever cadence you decide, sticking with that is really important. And, and I think it's gratifying for yourself too, to know that you can stick with it and keep going. Yeah, no, that's really true. And it's really important to continue going even like sometimes when you're like, I don't have anything to write about. And that's where like batching your content comes in handy because you don't have to constantly produce content every single week you could sit down, sit down and take a couple hours and post um get like three or four posts ready so you're you know you're having one a week for the next three or four weeks and then you know you come back to it okay i have two posts left let me write some more <clears throat> yeah it's a really it's a really good tip i know we talked about kind of repurposing your content as one way to really make the most of your time and resources but you're totally right batching is another way to do that and you know, you can do this for everything, no matter how simple it seems. I mean, even for posting on social media, you know, you can save things as a draft, you can pre-write your captions, you know, you can go, use a tool like Canva to create a number of different blog images or social posts and just save them in a folder ready to go. And even if you don't have a specific date picked for them, you just kind of have them in the hopper. So you're having one of those days where you've got writer's block or you can't think of something to say. 
you know, having a list of ideas or a list of posts already ready to go can help you, you know, follow through on that consistency without having to, you know, create a huge time suck where you spend hours and hours trying to just get that one blog post out because you have to, you know, knowing you have drafts ready to go as backup can really help with your peace of mind. Yeah, it's, it's a really great way, especially if you, you know, you have more than one business or you have more than one thing going on. Cause with me, I have my agency, I have the podcast, and then I also have a lifestyle blog as well. So <laughs> creating all the content in advance is really helpful because then I'm not scrambling to write for one blog and then the other day write for another blog. Um, and it's still a work in progress for me. I mean, I definitely batch my podcast episodes way better than I do my blog content but that's just because I have guests and I kind of have to because yeah. guest episodes take a lot longer to edit than, you know, just solo ones. But, um, yeah, it's just like one of those things, like it just, I would go crazy if I didn't batch in my business, at least like some parts of it, like the podcast episodes or even just my social posts. Like I'll do all my social posts for the weeks on Monday, every Monday I'll do all my posts. So they're ready. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's just yeah. really important to do because otherwise, you know, if you have kids or, you know, you have, all these other responsibilities to have a full time job, even like you, you just need to kind of get in that habit of doing it so that you're not worrying about having to create the content in addition to all of your other responsibilities. Yeah. And the other thing is you can batch content creation with other similar tasks that may not be content creation. So, or, or may not be the same type of content creation. So for me, like I know the ideal conditions when I write, are very different from the ideal conditions where I record a podcast or where I work on something else. So, you know, I know for me that I get my best writing done when I'm in a busy cafe and that would be horrible for recording podcasts or making videos. So, you know, understanding, you know, if I'm going to write or I'm going to make a video or I'm going to come up with social posts, you know, what are the conditions that I need to create my best work and what other things can I do in those same conditions? So, you know, I try, for example, you know, if I'm doing podcast interviews and recording videos in one week to put all those things on the same day so that I know, first of all, just from a logistics standpoint, I really only have to get dressed up and, you know, feel confident. And, you know, if I'm working from home on a different day, I can just, you know, dress lazy and be comfortable. Exactly. But it's like, this is my video day. This is the day where I'm, I'm ready to go and I'm going to do vocal type things, whether it's podcasts or videos. And other days I might, you know, go to the cafe for the day, kind of set myself aside, get rid of the internet and just focus on writing. And so I'm able to batch all those types of activities, even if it's not like this is a blog day, it's just a writing day, you know? Yeah. So you can yeah. do the same thing in your business. If there are other tasks not related to content that you create in those same conditions, you know, that's a, you know, maybe you want to do product photos on the same day that you're shooting some images for social media or, you know, you want to do new headshots for your team that same day because you're already going to have the camera out. You know, you can really kind of coordinate all those activities, even if they're not directly related to your content, that batching can still apply to other business activities you do. Yeah. And even just setting like theme days works too. Like if you want to have a day where you just like, if you have a podcast, you just record all your episodes, like not guest episodes, of course, because obviously you have to be a little more flexible with those, but more so like just your solo episodes, you record intros and outros, and then you just do that all day. Um, and that just kind of keeps you in the same mindset versus like switching between recording and then more some writing and things like that. So you can have like a podcast theme day and you can have a content creation theme day mm -hmm. and you can have like a, you know, an admin day where you do emails and, you know, keep up with your bookkeeping and things like that. 
Yeah. And I definitely do some of that in my business too. You know, I call it finance Fridays, um, <laughs> but it is, it's not just finance. It's really my logistics day. It's where I do all the things that are not my favorite thing, but they've got to get done to keep the business running. And it, it, knowing it's coming and like being able to treat myself at the end of the day for getting all that done helps make it work better. Yeah. And I think I'm putting that on a Friday, even though it's like not the thing you want to do, it's kind of more mindless than having to like create content or do other things like that. Like it's not fun, but it's not, it's not super rigorous and you know, it doesn't take a lot of your headspace. So doing it is like on a Friday, it's like, okay, I didn't have to like exert a lot of energy and now I can go do something fun. Yeah, exactly. And it all comes back to what we were saying before, like, you know, understanding your goal, what are you working on? And if your goal for a Friday is to kind of be low key and wind down for the weekend, then, you know, batching the kind of content activities and other stuff in your business to happen on that day makes a lot of sense. And, you know, knowing those conditions, knowing how you work and, and what needs to get done, you can really save yourself a lot of time and stress by, by having a strategic approach to not just what you create, but when and how you create it. Definitely. And just like, I mean, it might take a little bit of trial and error to see like what days are best for what and, you know, when you should be doing what and what do you should pair together and things like that. But um, once you kind of get your schedule down, it just, you just feel amazing because you, you've just cut so much time off of your day because you're not switching between task and task and task all day. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's one of the big challenges, at least that I experienced when I first started my own business and trying to fit in all these different things mm -hmm. is, is trying to understand like, how do I work best? And it was definitely trial and error. There are, you know, really frustrating days where I'd be in the middle of doing a video or a podcast. And then I'm like, Oh, I've got to write this thing. And I'm switching gears, switching gears, answering emails. And you know, you end the day feeling like you didn't get much done. And that's so yeah. frustrating when you're like, I'm my own boss and I'm not managing <laughs> myself very well. Yeah. So yeah definitely a, it's definitely a learning process with content or just with running your business. Yeah. Just in general, because there's so much to be done and you're the only person who does it when you're first starting out, at least eventually you can hire on people to help you. But at first, it's like all up to you. If you don't do it, it's not getting done. Exactly. And that's another thing to think about too, as you're doing content is, you know, if you have the ability to do this, to tr even to trade with other entrepreneurs who may have different strengths than you, it's a really good idea to outsource those things that you're not really efficient at. Even if you like them, if it takes up so much of your time and your time could be better spent working on something else, you know, it's, it can be really beneficial to have an editor who's going to read over your blog post before they go out. Or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you can edit your podcast, but it takes much longer for you than it would for someone else who might have different equipment. And, you know, you could barter with them. Listen, I'll help you write your blog post if you help me edit my episodes. You know, there's, even if you are tight for resources, there's ways to make that work for you. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, like I, I enjoy creating graphics. Like I, I don't mind it at all, even though I'm not like a graphic designer at all. It's just kind of fun to me but it takes time. So I usually just say, okay, here's my template. Do this for me. Like it doesn't take me that much time to do, but when I'm doing them for two blogs and a podcast, it's definitely time consuming. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I need to outsource this because it's not making me money, but it needs to be done. And I know me doing like 30 images a day is taking away from when I could be doing things with clients and that's actually, you know, making me money. So Exactly. <laughs> um, so another thing, what are your best tips for kind of creating compelling content? Just like one or two things that you think that we should know about creating content, whether it's like audio, video, or even just like a blog post. 
Yeah. So the, the biggest thing to realize, I think, if you really want to use content to serve your business, right, is the things you want to say may not be the same as the things your audience needs or wants to hear. And that sometimes can be a little heartbreaking where you're like, people don't want to see, you know, pictures of my lunch or, you know, pictures <laughs> of my dog or something. But, you know, really trying to back up and focus on, you know, creating content for your business is in service of your audience. And so that means you need to really understand what does your audience need? What do they want? What are their questions? What are their challenges? And so if you can focus your attention on figuring out some of those things, you know, what, by looking at, for example, your website, what are the pages that they're trafficking the most that could give you a hint as to the things they want more information about? You know, what are your top performing posts or, or blogs or videos that gives you a good hint about what they really like and prefer, mm -hmm. you know, talking to understanding, like, what are the things they search for, right? So what are the search terms that lead people to your website? All of those are really strong indications that your audience is telling you they want something and you should use that data to create content that's going to really, you know, be valuable for them. Because at the end of the day, you know, as good as it feels to, to say, like, I have a podcast or I have a blog it really is a product you're creating for your audience. So yeah. letting their priorities and their concerns and their questions drive what you create is a really good way to ensure that it's going to keep being successful for everyone involved. If they keep finding value in what you create because you're basing it on their needs, you know, then, that, then you're going to continue to, to derive value from it in your business and to feel valued, you know, as a creator for putting all of this stuff out. So true. And that's where market research also comes in. So even like after digging through Google Analytics or whatever and looking and seeing what's the most popular, you can also just ask them directly. Like there will be times where I'll just email my list and say, hey, what do you guys want to see from me? And I'll list out different topics and, you know, tell them to click on the ones they're interested in and they'll be tagged as those options. And, you know, whenever I do create like a training related to Instagram or whatever they're preferring, then I will just email that little list and say, Hey guys, I have a training. Um, you said you were interested in this two yeah. months ago. So here you go. Here's a free training. Um, and just kind of that helps me figure out what they're looking for and, you know, continue to create content that they prefer. Um, um, that isn't just like a blog post or anything, like just kind of seeing like what they prefer, what they want from me, what kind of like products they want me to create, things like that, especially helps for like products and courses and things like that. Cause you know, a blog post that takes time, but it doesn't take as much time as going in creating an entire course and then having mm -hmm. no one purchase it. So that's like really important for that. Yeah, exactly. And if you're sitting there, like I don't have a list, I don't have people I can ask. Uh, another cool tool you can check out is called answer the public dot com answer the public um, and this website you go you plug in some search terms and what it will do is show you all the related searches what are the questions that people ask related to this query or related to this keyword and so you know if you're feeling like you don't know where to start or maybe google analytics is really intimidating for you or you know like i said you don't have a list you can you know survey then that's at least a good place to start punching some keywords related to your product or your industry or your services and see what are the things people are looking for? What are the questions they have? What answers are they seeking? Because then you can go ahead and create content that answers all of that. And you become the answer to all those people who are looking for a service or a product just like yours. I actually never heard of that website before, so I'll have to check that out and I'll definitely add it in the show notes as well so that listeners can check it out. Um, but another thing that came to mind was for me was, um, Facebook groups as well. So, you know, where your ideal audience hangs out, just kind of asking a poll in this Facebook group, like kind of 
outlining what you you were thinking and then saying like, would you be interested in this? Yes or no. And kind of like using that, of course, they may not be on your list or they may not read your blog actively, but you know, if they're in your target audience, because you did your research beforehand, you'll know that. And then you, you can get like a better answer, you know, if you don't already have a list. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, whether they're, they're in your funnel, so to speak or not, yeah. uh, those people still have valuable insights they can share with you. Exactly. Yeah. And I've done that in the past. I've been like, Hey, I know you guys like, you probably don't know me or anything, but you know, I'm thinking of this is this something you'd be interested in? And like, there were quite a few yeses and there were some no's as well, which is fine because not everyone is in my target audience, but just kind of validating the idea and making sure it's not like something that no one would like to, you know, see or be interested in. So it's just, it's important to validate your ideas before you spend X amount of hours creating them and then no one shows up. (laughs) Yeah. And the, the other thing you can do to try to help you know, boost the success of a big project like that is we talked before about repurposing content. You can repurpose that content in layers. So say you have this huge course that you've just created, you put so much work into it. You know, you could pull out one lesson or a snippet from a lesson and share that as a blog post that, you know, you embed just a short version of your lesson and some information. And that way people are getting like a little taste, right? It's like Mm -hmm. a free sample, you know, a content free sample that's going to encourage them to buy or opt in or whatever else to get that bigger piece of content. And you can do the same thing one level down further for your social posts. So quotes or stats or little snippets from your, from your blog post that lead people to the blog post, which leads them to the course. So you can use again, content at every stage of that game to kind of attract people, really engage them and then hopefully convert them. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Cause it, you know, a lot of people, if they haven't purchased from you before or something, they want to know what it's all about beforehand. So, you know, that kind of gets the new people in the door that haven't purchased from you yet. And they, you know, you give them that little snippet of what you're going to be offering in the course. And if they really appreciate that small little look inside the course, then, you know, they're like, okay, cool. I feel comfortable purchasing this because I feel like I'm going to get a lot of valuable info. Yeah, definitely. It's like a little a little sample of your expertise before they go in for the whole thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, and now let's dive into the three questions that I ask everyone. So what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur and what is your favorite part about it? For me, being an entrepreneur is really about getting to choose my own priorities and my own focus. Um, I think I walk this sort of fine line between the business world and the creative world. And so as much as I see the value in building a business, it's also really important for me to feel really fulfilled in my work, to get to work with clients that I like, to get to work on projects that, you know, light my fire. And so for me, being an entrepreneur, I get to do all of that. You know, I also love that as a, as an entrepreneur and a speaker, I get to travel and share my message with, you know, people in different parts of the world. Um, And that's always really exciting for me. Yeah, no, I think that that's a great answer. I mean, you know, being able to work with people that actually, you know, projects you're actually excited about is so awesome as an entrepreneur. Cause you know, obviously a lot of the time in the corporate world, you don't get to pick who you work with. Exactly. Like, you know, you're just kind of stuck with said clients or said people and you're just, you know, you deal with it. You either get along with them or you don't, or you connect with what they're doing or you don't, and you just have to do it no matter what. And as an entrepreneur, you get to kind of pick and choose what niches you're interested in and what kind of people you want to work with so that you're not ever feeling uninspired. I mean, I'm sure people, um, you might run into a time where (laughs) that happens. I've done it. I know I've worked with someone who I was like, wasn't super passionate about, but 
it's just like, you know, after that you can kind of say, okay, I don't want to work with people like this again. And, you know, kind of craft your ideal person around those experiences. Exactly. And I think you'll end up creating work that you're more proud of. You'll end up feeling more fulfilled in what you're doing. If you have clarity on all of those things and you're kind of moving with purpose, you know, we all, we all have to at some point probably work with clients or on projects that, you know, maybe aren't really so closely tied to our passion. It's just a necessity and, you know, paying the bills is a, should also be a real priority. I, I get that. Yeah. Um, I think we all know that like when you're working on projects that you care about or with people that you care about that you like working with, it just makes everything so much easier. And I feel like as an entrepreneur, you have so much control over that. Mm-hmm. It really gives you your best chance to set up your ideal working conditions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know I've had a couple of people who were considered to be nightmare clients, in my opinion, <laughs> that and, and I mean, most people experience at least one of those in their lifetime, just because, you know, not everyone, you can't vet everyone from the get go. Sometimes people will slip through the cracks, even if you have like a great onboarding process and things like that. But, um, you know, it just, it's kind of a good learning experience in the end. Cause you're just like, okay, cool. Like I, this is who I don't want to work with. And you can, you know, you don't have to be with that person. You don't want to be, you can, you can part ways gracefully and you like, you wouldn't be able to do that in the corporate world. So oh, yeah. uh, nice. There's so much power in getting to say no. And for the right reason, not just to be a jerk and say no to things, but <laughs> yeah. you know, to understand where your, where your sweet spot is and what's a good fit and what's not. And when you can stick to that, man, you just make so much more room for the right things in your life. For sure. And like, then if you are able to say no to things that you don't feel like align with you or you feel like someone else would be a better fit for that person in the long run, it helps both you and that person because there's no frustration and there's no struggle. It's just here. um, I don't think we're a good fit, but you can, I have some awesome friends that might be helpful for you. You can reach out to them here. Yep. So, um, what is your favorite tool that you use in your business? This could be like a software or, you know, just a paper planner or something like that. Just the one tool that you're just, you couldn't live without basically. Honestly, I use a task management tool called Todoist. It's like do list with no L. Um, I've been using it since like 2014 and like basically my entire life is on there. I have all the reminders I need, all the tasks. I can separate things by project. I can, you know, tag them certain ways, color code things. And it is really the only way that I manage to keep everything straight, to make sure everything gets done, to organize all the things that are kind of on my plate. And I I don't know what I would do without it. (laughs) Yeah, I've actually heard of that one, but I've never tried it. I personally use Asana and that's just like my thing. And I also use Wonderlist sometimes too, just on my phone, just to kind of more so for like, do laundry type tasks, not necessarily business tasks, but just kind of like separating the two. But, um, yeah, it really helps me as well because I'm able to kind of see everything that needs to get done and check it off because I'm one of those people that needs to check things off. And I used to do paper list, but, um, I found that being able to have it on my phone or computer is a lot easier because I don't always have paper with me, but I always have my phone with me or potentially my computer. Yeah. I actually do a combination of both. So I manage everything. To-do list is like, or Todoist is like my master list. It's got everything, including my, like do the laundry type stuff. I have a project (laughs) that's called home management and that's like everything that needs to be done at home. Um, But yeah, so I also in the moment will create a paper to-do list 
if I need to sort of limit myself digitally. So if mm -hmm. I really need to focus or I don't want to get overwhelmed by the number of things on the list or I need to sort of get into a very specific mindset, I'll make, you know, sort of a micro to-do list on paper because I do like that satisfaction of like checking everything off, crossing it off the list. <laughs> and yeah. I can sort of unplug while I'm doing it at the same time and really focus on a specific task. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what I would do if something were to happen to do this. It has, my entire life is in there. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, please don't ever shut down. Otherwise yeah. um, I will probably crumble. <laughs> I'm doomed. <laughs> and then lastly, who is your go-to business resource? Like the person that you feel so inspired by and that you, you know, you always go to if you need inspiration or just, you know, something you need to learn something new. And this can be just like, anyone from, you know, one of those big online entrepreneurs or just like, you know, even a friend or family member? I was going to say my go-to business resource is not publicly available. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my husband is just, I'm so lucky to have a partner who really understands what I do, who supports me so much. And we have very different skill sets that kind of fit together very well. You know, he's more of the numbers and the finance and the logic and the business side of things. And I am much more sort of the the emotion and the creativity and the marketing. And, you know, we both have elements of the other side, but mm -hmm. the way those things fit together, I feel like we're able to solve problems together so much more efficiently. And so luckily, you know, he runs his own business as well. And so we're able to kind of be that for each other, which I think is really great and speaks to the power of knowing, you know, having your tribe, whoever those people are, someone around that you can call or look to for inspiration. It's, it's so important. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, my husband is actually the same way. He, I mean, he doesn't have his own business or anything. He still works in the corporate world just because that's just his bread and butter. But um, he is very like good with finances and things like that. So like whenever I was first starting out, he definitely helped me kind of get a handle on things. And I was like, okay, Johnny, like your expenses are a little high for what <laughs> you're making right now. So okay, is there anything you can cut? And I'm like, uh, maybe. <laughs> so it's just, like, he helps me with those kinds of things and just like taxes and all those lovely things that I hate doing. <laughs> so it's good to have that as well for me. Um, but yeah, it's just always great to have someone who understands what you're doing and, you know, they're not like, you know, like a huge entrepreneur that you could never really connect with because you don't really have that access to them, but just someone who understands what you're doing and kind of compliments you, whether they have like a different skill set than you, or, you know, you guys kind of have the same, same thing going on. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, tell us where we can find you. So your website, your social channels, all that good stuff. Excellent. So yeah, my website is mdiesel.com. Uh, that's where you can find everything you might need. And I am on social. I'm on Twitter as mdiesel. I'm on uh, Instagram, which I've been really loving lately as meldiesel. Um, you can find me anywhere and let me know what kind of content projects you're working on. Uh, I can't wait to see all the stories that you guys are putting together and telling. Yeah. And I will drop all of her links in the show notes so you guys can go click through and check them out. And yeah, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. And just one last thing. I actually put together a free story idea guide. So if you're having trouble coming up with ideas of, you know, what you should tell stories about, or I don't know what to blog about today, um, you can find that at mdiesel.com slash story idea guide. Totally free. You can just download it. It's a little PDF worksheet that will walk you through coming up with um, some cool content ideas that you can put on your blog, on your website, on social, wherever you want. 
Yeah, awesome. I'll link that in the show notes as well. So yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvysocialhour.com slash episode dash 44. Make sure to join the Savvy Social Media Babes community Facebook group for daily prompts, updates on the podcast, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on the web at www.savvysocialhour.com. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Savvy Social Hour and like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Savvy Social Hour. New episodes will be released every single Tuesday and Thursday. See you next time.